Hello friends, this is Maddie from the future, just popping in to let you know that we set this episode up terribly. We didn't explain anything, we didn't even explain what modern art is, but that's fine, you can Google that. Most importantly, as a very, very visual topic, you're going to need to be able to see what we're talking about in this episode. So head over to our Twitter or our Instagram, both are at Hey Cabin Fever, where we will have posted uh, each of the arts that we talk about here as well as any any supplementary little tidbits that we mention. So check our grid and check our stories. It'll be saved in highlight no matter when you're listening to this. And if you're wondering why me popping in sounds so much better than the actual audio of this episode, that is because the microphone completely shat itself while we were recording this episode, and what you're hearing is actually the backup that I recorded on my phone. So we can all be very grateful this episode exists at all. The audio quality will be back up in future. Enjoy. Hello. Bonjour. Bonjour. And welcome to the Cabin Fever podcast. The git. You got me on the French. You got me on the French spiel. Well, that's interesting because we're not coming to them from France today. Oh, we're coming to them Merci. from. Merci. Uh, Armageddon. Do you say Armageddon but with a French accent? It's technically a French word. Great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> today we are coming to you from a desert, but not just any desert. A desert. There's a lot of weird shit around here. Specifically, clocks. And they I seem say. to be <laughs> melting like a camembert. <gasps> Ooh. There is a clock a melting of a tree. Oh, I see the tree. I, I, see... <laughs> <laughs> I see the, the TikTok at the how you say. The how you say. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you know what famous painting we're coming to you from today, I don't know how you're going to guess. I really got there so quickly. And then I was like, wait, the, the not everyone's a as cultured as us. Not everyone is the connoisseur. Not everyone loves the art. But we'll get you there. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're educational. That's what we're, we're here to help you. Today we're coming to you with the first of what we're sure will be many educasts. Where we <laughs> teach that. you about a special little subject. Mm-hmm. With a little twist. What's the twist? That instead of actually just teaching them, we're talking about which ones are fucking cursed fiona oh okay yeah <laughs> it's art modern art modern art specifically. yeah specifically and if you're thinking "Ugh, i hate modern art don't worry i've been there sis uh but <laughs> we're here to show you the special little signs of the mm-hmm. special little subject that you may not have explored before yeah but before we get to that let's go over our win and wine for the week oh exciting mm-hmm. uh so i have two wins for the week oh. so one win is that I made a lemon cake, and I'm very happy about that because, as you guys know, very excited about lemons in general lately. Oh, yeah. And I've been planning to make this lemon cake since we moved into this apartment, but I made a lemon cake, and it's pretty, pretty delicious. Mm-hmm. And the other one is, uh, I've been reminded that I stopped dreaming, which I guess oh, is... Jesus Christ! <laughs> I had a late night conversation with Maddie the other night, and she said to me in so many words... Dear sister, (laughs) Jesus, dream bigger, shoot for the moon, and even if you miss, you'll land among the stars, which sparkle as brightly as you. (laughs) These are words right out of Maddie's mouth and right into my little phone inbox. Uh, Basically, Maddie was like, remember that time you said you wanted a three-bedroom house that depressed me? And I was like, fair. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a three-bedroom house. No. Owning that is actually a very good achievement. It's just that Fiona's scope for a little while there 
was my life's main goal yeah. is to purchase an okay three bedroom house and yeah. then earn enough to continue living. Yeah, like earn enough to continue paying off that mortgage. Um, that was it. <laughs> yeah, which is incredibly unlike me. And I think also stemmed from the fact that I was, I'm in the stage of my life where I'm making things a reality. Mm-hmm. So I've been more bogged down in the details. But then it's like, when did I start remembering that I want to have a little fire pit section in my back garden? Who removed that? And also, sad. what were you, were you planning to just live in this one house for the rest of your life? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know, Maddie, but <sighs> she's back. Right. It's a win because the spark is back mm-hmm. and I'm ready to fly high. And I'm weeping with joy because, like I said, the stars sparkle nearly as much um, as you do, Fiona. beautiful as my eyes. And, like, I just want to say here and now, like, <laughs> no, I'm so you deserve no, I don't like, I don't to like dream. It. No, I regret it. I regret it so much. You deserve <laughs> ew, ew. to fly. <laughs> You deserve to feel... Stop staring at me. She's looking at me, guys. She's literally looking right in my eyeballs. I was going to put my hand on your knee, but then I just can't do that. Um, (laughs) You deserve to to wake up every morning... Oh, I hate all this. ...bright and early and feel joy expanding (laughs) in your little heart. Stop looking me in the eyeballs. (laughs) Promise me. Promise me here and now, Fiona. Yeah. That you'll never forget to dream. I'm so uncomfortable. Never again. I, I promise not to stop dreaming that. Thank you. Now I can stop staring her dead in the fucking eyes. Oh, I hated that. Fly high. Uh, I hate this. All right, what's your win? My win is weekends. <laughs> Last Just week. Just two thriving girls. Not but five days ago. Not but. <laughs> I took two days off in a fucking row two whole days and it was revolutionary i didn't take my adhd drugs on two consecutive days Um, and i didn't even do i did probably did some work at some point but i mainly didn't do work i for two whole days i tried to have the weekend and quickly realized i don't have hobbies that are inside and got really bored and ended up snapping at like 8 p.m on sunday night and working yeah (laughs) so we have a bit to work through but we have discussed hobbies uh now so there we go uh but yeah weekends and i'm about to have another one so i'm pretty fucking jazzed big day yeah big two days big two days or not even two big days two little days to have some fun two tiny days for relaxing i look so tiny Tiny next next to you you. anyway (laughs) um what is your wine my wine, mm-hmm. I have said, uh, what my penne did. So, <laughs> the other night, mm-hmm. I was hungry, and I was thinking, mm, I need a little snack. So I made some penne, and I used less water than usual, right? Mm-hmm. Just spice things away. up, or wh- why was this, Just Maddie? because I didn't want to fill the kettle up again. Okay. And it was enough for the penne. Understandable. However, you thought. well, walked away, left it unattended, mm-hmm. came back, and the, the whole... entire kitchen is on fire. Mm-mm. Worse. I came back to the stove. I looked in the pot and I gasped. I gasped. Mm-hmm. I shuddered. I jumped back from the stove. Mm-hmm. Every single piece of penne in that pot had stood up at the exact same angle for me, a honeycomb pattern. So I looked down into this fucking pot <laughs> and there was just all the penne tubes pointed up at like this angle with all the little holes staring at me. So it's just Why? a honeycomb of penne, like a coral reef of a hideous penne, bubbling and bubbling, all looking the exact same, the same formation, just staring at me at the pot. That's really horrifying. Why did it do that? Did you find the science? I think it's just like the bubbles made it rise and then, and then it, just... it's a slanted edge. But either way, <sighs> it was really fucking distressing to the point where I was like, I must mention this on the podcast. That is very traumatic. Yeah, and I'm thinking about it again now and I'm upset. So let's move on to your wine. My wine is from today. Oh no. 
fresh in my memory. Jesus Christ. In Animal Crossing, (laughs) I bought a little gift for one of my villagers named Eugene. He's a little koala. He wears Ray-Bans and a leather jacket. He's pretty snazzy. He has hideous fucking racing stripes shaved into his mutton chops. And I thought that he would look pretty dashing in a maxi shirt dress, which is in like a grey tartan pattern. And so I spent hours. Was it hours? Am I being dramatic? But it was at least like 40 minutes. Yeah. Running around the island trying to find him. And I am not joking when I say I looked absolutely everywhere. If you play Animal Crossing, you're going to at me. Yes, I went behind the cliffs. Yes, I went through the entire museum. Yes, I went to everyone's houses. I was pressing A behind all the buildings. I was doing everything to find this fucking koala. And then I even exited the game, saved, left, came back in, still couldn't find him. Riley went in and looked and we none of us could find him. And I was going to lose my actual mind because in my mind, I was like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my Animal Crossing tasks before I get back to work. So I was handing out the presents to everyone as I do in Animal Crossing every day. And then I couldn't do anything until I found Eugene. So it really set me back by a good hour or so. So that's my wine. <laughs> All right. On to today's topic. Uh-huh. It's a topic that Fiona is well acquainted with. I love it. But to which I am relatively new, re-giving a single fuck. My concept of mm-hmm. modern art mm-hmm. was like brightly colored paintings of stuff that doesn't really look like stuff and like weird sculptures that are just stupid things stuck on other stupid things and people just trying to make like quote unquote art okay that's just like yeah what the fuck is this mm-hmm. how wrong i was listener because mm-hmm. i've started doing a little moma course on modern art yeah. And I've learned so much. It's so great. And I don't hate it all. Some of it I'm like, ugh, ugh. Yeah. Which we'll get to. But a lot of it's actually very interesting. Yeah. So I love all art. I'm a very cultured person mm. um, at my core. But I do especially love modern art. In particular, two major standouts are a lot of modern art and modern photography mm. because I started photography in high school. As and... opposed to the photography from the Renaissance. Well, no, so because there are like older photography styles but like Salvador Dali did some photography shit and yeah. it's cooked like Man Ray and they were like Dada artists who did which I love Dada and we get into that later um but yes yeah, so I, I studied a bit of it in school and also there was like a good period of my life where my entire personality was just based on loving Van Gogh like I just fucking love Van Gogh one little note for the pedants out there Van Gogh Van Gogh right <sighs> I I like to go fancy Van Gogh and I'll be doing that every time I say it. No, I won't. I promise I won't be. I'm just going to say Van Gogh. Yeah, I prefer Van Gogh. It just sounds nicer. Yeah. Um, in Australia, UK, we say Van Gogh, but fuck that. Well, it is. It's technically like Van Gogh with the sound. And sounds more like nothing that does F. So. That's fair. Yeah. That's yeah. why I go with Van Gogh. My favorite thing to do whenever I go to any city is just go to all the galleries and museums. And spend an annoying amount of time for everyone else that's with me. Just looking at everything and taking it all in. I just really love my art. I like just looking at it. I like learning about it. Just a good time. I'm not. I'm not an expert. If anyone's here being like Fiona's a modern art expert, literally not the case. No. Um, but I like it. I'm into the old art. I like paintings I that look like the stuff they painting. are. Yeah. I like like hilarious old portraits. Mm-hmm. But my favorite ones in galleries are always like fifteen hundreds paintings of Venice and like giant fuck off 
enormous paintings of like ships in the stormy sea. I was literally thinking like waves. Anytime hella old paintings have waves, I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've seen in my entire life. Yeah. So that's the kind of paintings that I usually gave a shit about and the ones that yeah. I could get some sort of like historical value yeah. from because I'm quite the historian. But <laughs> as you'll come to find, modern art is quite a nuanced beast. And so the format of our show for today is that Fiona and I have both picked three pieces of modern art that we would love to own mm-hmm. and three pieces of modern art that are absolutely fucking cursed. Yeah. Our task here wasn't to be like, what are the three prettiest ones? No. Because that's not interesting. I would fucking love the crabs by Van Gogh, obviously, because mm-hmm. that's my fave one. I would want a Rodin statue because mm-hmm. I would just look dope in my house. Yes. I would love a fuck off giant Monet. Specifically, I've written down... Uh, Water lilies, comma, green harmony, because they're pretty. Nice. Um, And also reminds me of a specific boy, but I don't have anything else behind that. So Mm -hmm. I've tried to pick arts that I can have a little bit of a talking point with. More of a chat. So my first one is still basic. It's a bit of Dali, Mm -hmm. because you got to have a bit of Dali. I love Dali. But I've gone a little bit off the beaten path. I've gone Mm. for quite an early piece. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've picked Still Life with Two Lemons. You better have a good backstory for this, because... There is so much fucking Dali out there, and it really just is two lemons. Yeah, that's why it's fucking sick. Okay, so <laughs> I went through every single painting that Salvador Dali did in his entire life. I mm-hmm. scrolled from start to finish. He did a lot of different styles, all very impressive. Mm-hmm. Some I don't really like as much, some are great. Yeah. But I want to go for one that wasn't like in your face, like this is Dali, mm-hmm. but it still fucking slaps. And it would look great next to my crabs. But in a really specific conservatory that I have planned in my head, ignoring all the horrible implications of that environment, read the preservation of these priceless artifacts. That's fair. Also, lemons, bougie. Yeah. Lemons, thematically relevant to this podcast. (laughs) Lemons really show the people that you have money, not the fact that you own an original Salvador Dali artwork in your house. Like I said, I went through all of his paintings. You can do this on just Dali's website. And I really suggest you do because... He smashed through so many different styles. And he got his website together so quickly using the sponsor of today's podcast, Squarespace. Can you fucking imagine? <laughs> no, the cubists would use that one. He's more into wigs. <laughs> Personal highlights of scrolling through Dali's entire work. Salvador-Dali.org uh, was there are three separate paintings from 1932 mm-hmm. uh, of eggs or egg on a plate yeah. without the plate. Yeah. Oh, the names yeah. of the paintings are mm-hmm. honestly even more iconic than the paintings themselves. Yeah. Because sometimes you're like, what the hell even is? this and then you look at the name and you're like where in the painting is that he was just a really kooky guy he mastered just normal painting mm-hmm. and then moved on he mastered like weird fucking painting and then moved on like he just kept going and going and going and going yeah he did like 2,000 fucking paintings and they're all so intricate I'm like how the hell I think his paintings are weird um mm-hmm. and they have some unsettling elements but they are not cursed yeah there may be like one element in a few of them where I'm like that specific figure is cursed yeah not the paintings however some of his objects are a bit fucking cursed. I've put together a top three of the most cursed Dali objects. He did lots of shit with mannequins, but <laughs> those are intentionally unsettling. Mm-hmm. And I don't vibe with that. You don't like being uncomfortable with that? No, art? I mean, sometimes they're trying to make you uncomfortable. One of my cursed ones, yeah. Mm-hmm. But when it's like so obvious that it's like you're putting pins in a mannequin. Yeah. You're not gonna get me, Salvador. <laughs> Number three on my countdown of Dali's most cursed objects is... <laughs> atmospheric chair i mm-hmm. think it's cursed but in a fun way yeah like a ghost would use this chair but it wouldn't ruin your life if you had it in your house mm-hmm. number two 
piece of cotton wool instantly rolled up and abandoned. Ah, That's number two. That was a piece of cotton wool instantly rolled up and abandoned. Mm -hmm. Just something about this little bit that upsets me. This little bit upsets me. I'll move on for the listener's sake. Yeah, I was like, this is very visual, Maddie. It's really just, there's something about this piece of cotton wool, and we will link again this for you somewhere, that is just inherently cursed. And my number one most cursed object by Dali is object functioning symbolically, the materials of which are a glass of milk and a shoe. Oh, I've seen that one. I hate it. I hate it. I don't like old shoes like that. They make me uncomfortable. The introduction of milk makes me very upset. Uh, It just absolutely is his number one most cursed object. And his least cursed object, for those of you playing at home and really wondering, is uh, Venus de Milo with drawers. Yeah. It's just a little statue of Venus with uh, With some drawers. With some drawers. And I think that's kind of kooky and fun. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think one of the things that I would like to point out about Salvador Dali Mm -hmm. is he was part of the data movement within modern art, which was... In short, I haven't looked this up in a very long time. I put up the Wikipedia, but it's too long for me to even try and look at. Yeah. Um, but essentially, the general vibe of Dada is anti-war. Like, they didn't want war to start. And they blamed a lot of, like, the bourgeoisie and capitalism and colonialism, all of that sort of stuff, they believed was the root of war and the root of, like, evil, I guess, or, like, right. the downfalls of society. So they were lefty cocks. They were lefty cocks. <laughs> Salvador Dali, a lefty cock. Here's one little sentence that does kind of make sense. Many Dadaists believe that the reason and logic of bourgeois capitalist society had led people into war. They expressed their rejection of that ideology in artistic expression that appeared to reject logic and embrace chaos and irrationality. So the main point of all the major Dada artists was to basically make you uncomfortable and make chaotic art. So when people are like, I don't get Dali, it's confusing. I'm like, yeah, that's that's the point. Yeah. It was throughout Europe, but they did have a lot of like solid groups. So like there'd be like a Berlin one and there'd be a Zurich one and there'd be a like Florence one where like artists come together and they're like, we are the Dada artists and it'd be like elitist in that way. So if you're ever looking at a Salvador Dali piece and being like, the fuck? Uh, he wanted you to do that. One thing though that we did realize, so one of my favorite data artists was oh, Hannah Hawk. Um, Cause Maddie mentioned she was doing Dali and I was like, oh my God, Dali, Dada, Hannah Hawk, I love her. <laughs> and I did not realize this. I was obsessed with her when I was in high school and I looked her up now cause I hadn't you know researched her in a long time or looked at her work in a while. Um, it turns out she was super fucking queer and did a lot of artwork that were like played with like feminism and also androgyny and being openly queer, which back then, like insane. Uh, she was the only woman allowed in there, and a lot of people think it was because her of her masculine appearance. And by in there, you mean the the Berlin within the fancy Dada groups. Dada. Yeah, she was in Berlin, okay. but yeah, she was the only one allowed in there. <laughs> <laughs> she was the only one allowed to create art. But yeah, it was just really funny looking back and being like, I really resonate with a lot of her work. And you look at one, it's like two women and a shit ton of scissors around them. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Stunning. The subtlety. <laughs> I wow. love to be heterosexual in high school. <laughs> I vibe yeah. with Dali because it comes from such a genuine place. Whereas I think oh, my problem yeah. with a lot of those people is like, that's it just, fair. it just reeks of trying so fucking hard. I think hard. that's me with a lot, a lot, a lot of poetry. Yeah. So every time I see poems, I do not like it. But then one of my good friends, Ash, they've done poetry and I don't hate it. And I was like, I literally said this to him, I was like, I'm really surprised by the fact that I 
don't hate poetry. And then I was like, oh, it's legit. Like, this isn't pretentious. This isn't fake. Like, this is literally just what you feel and you just make art with that. And that's dope. Yes, it's good poetry. Yeah. Yeah, most people's <laughs> poetry is very bad. Yeah, because it's forced, and that can be the same. The same can be said for modern yeah, art. Just because you put weird line breaks in a sentence doesn't mean it's a poem. And I know people are gonna be like, "Don't police art," but like, you need to be realistic about what whether what you're making is good or not. Yeah, it's just fucking life. Anyway, the first one that I would like in my house is portrait of sylvia von harden uh, and that's something you would want in your fucking home i absolutely love this god <laughs> jesus christ to be fair i didn't know that we were going for in my home but i was standing by you know it. what that looks like what does it look you like you know in 30 rock when they have the last living Habsburg and it's Wee herman he's like thank you all dear friends for coming to my birthday and then he dies okay that's what it looks like uh Essentially, I'm going to describe it to you very briefly. It is a woman sitting in a cafe. There's a pink wall. She has a cosmopolitan. She's smoking a cigarette. And God, I saw no- none of that. You know what I got what from that? What do you see? Someone with like very progressed tuberculosis sitting in a depressing kitchen dying slowly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the first time that I saw that was at the... Um, what's my jig? At the Centio Pompidou. <laughs> Uh, which is an art gallery. It's the Museum of Modern Art, essentially, in Paris. And I was like, that is dope. And I just love it. And I can't, this is what I mean though. Sometimes you can't, and another thing I've noticed with art, it's a similar vibe to when you hear music live versus hearing it recorded. Mm. Sometimes I see art in person and I'm like, absolutely. If I just seen a photo of this, going through photos, I'd be like, eh. But I remember when I saw that in person, I was like, obsessed. Mm. The vibe it gives is incredible. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> My favorite part of it when I was Googling, like, what it was all about was the conversation that occurred for this painting to happen. So the subject, Sylvia von Harden, she was a journalist in Germany, in Hamburg, and then when the war kicked off, she ran away to Britain. Which war? One or two? 1933. That was just when Hitler, like, got elected. Okay. So pre-two, but ramping up. Yeah. The artist saw her in a cafe, sorry, on a street. Mm Mm-hmm. And said, I'm going to do a little German accent, but it's probably going to end up French. No, it's going to come out straight French. I tried to even think German and I couldn't do it. I must paint you. I simply must. You are representative of an entire epoch. Oh my God. And then she said, (laughs) I just love the idea of this conversation actually happening. I just love the fact that you're like, nah, it's just going to be straight French. And then it was that. So you want to paint my lackluster eyes, my ornate ears, my long nose, my thin lips. You want to paint my long hands, my short legs, my big feet. Things which can only scare people off and delight no one. And then he, Is she fucking Nosferatu? And then he, and he says, my, sm- my smooth, bald head, my bat-like wings, my long, spiky oh my teeth. God. Is this how people in Germany just speak? My then? protruding, curved spine. <laughs> like, what? Um, and then he says, you have brilliantly characterized yourself and all that will lead to a portrait representative of an epoch concerned not with the outward beauty of a woman, but rather with her psychological condition. Can you imagine having someone come up and saying, I want to paint you? And you say, mm, I don't know, I'm pretty fucking ago. And then he says, yeah, <laughs> you are pretty fucking ago. Let me paint you. <laughs> but I'm a modern artist, don't you know? <laughs> And we thrive on the on, most on disgusting shit. <laughs> on the most vile, foul people you could imagine physically. <laughs> anyway, I just really, truly love the vibe. It surprises me now knowing that that was in Germany and not in France. Because 
I mean, I was in France when I saw it, so maybe that's why, but it just screams French, doesn't it? It does scream French, but it just looks so much like um, Creepy Thin Man from Charlie's Angels meets Floop meets... You're not incorrect, but I just absolutely love it, and I love the absurdity of it, which is a lot of what I like about modern art, which I think is what turns you off on modern art. Yeah. Um, so even though I wasn't necessarily doing this episode with things I want in my house, I do stand by it, because I would love... For people to come over and be like, what the fuck is that? And I'd be like, yeah, that's Sylvia Von Harden with her thin lips and her long fingers and her short legs and big feet. And her long fangs and, and her <laughs> extra webbed fins. And her, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, absolutely love it. That's all I have to say on that. What's your next one? Okay. This is where I'm going to start uh, hitting my stride. So my second modern art that I would love to have in my house is The Physical Impossibility of Death in the Mind of Someone Living by Damien Hirst. <laughs> and this is an entire fucking tiger shark preserved in formaldehyde. This particular shark is divided into three sections. Mm -hmm. So Damien loves to do a cross section. Uh, I'll touch on that in a moment, but big old tiger shark chopped into three. And so you can move the cubes around. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be really handy because you might want to have the shark all in one line, mm -hmm. like a shark, or have these little bits spaced out in a room mix and match it. i would never ever 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 want the cross sections to be showing mm -hmm. but you can put like a bookcase next to it mm -hmm. you could put like your whole fucking like kitchen in the middle yeah you could put a child's bunk bed next to part of the show <laughs> the possibilities are limitless with this piece of art I, I will gonna... say, I do think that is my favorite Damien Hurst one because the rest doesn't excite me. No offense, Damien Hurst, if you're listening. <laughs> I think um, there are a couple that will, but I understand what you Yeah, mean. like that's the only one where I'm like, love. Yeah. He did other sharks, and I will get into the other sharks in a moment specifically uh, because some of them are still notable. Mm -hmm. So I wondered if this one was my main shark that I would want. If because she's, if she's the one. Yeah, at first I was like, wow, no brainer. But then I was like, there are others? Mm-hmm. So I had to go through all the sharks and like kind of compile my thoughts on them. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing that did hold me back here was the fact it's in the three parts. And like, I do not like the cross sections. Yeah. I do not like any of the animals where like it's chopped in half and you can see the inside. And I Hello, understand that's... that that's like exactly what he wants. That's the point, yeah. But like, I don't <laughs> like that. I don't like that's it. That's fair. And, and I don't want to be approaching house. this as in your house. Yeah. Yeah. That really anchors in my mind that this is a real fucking thing. And also it just doesn't look that cool on the inside because like mm. they don't even have any blood, so it's all just like really like grey. Gross. Oh, but okay. Yeah. Like all the organs and shit are the same color. <laughs> no, I was gonna I was, I was gonna say something really dumb. What? Gonna, oh my god. I was gonna say sharks don't have blood. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Of course they don't. What the fuck? Fuck you! Yeah. <laughs> Do not guess I mean. It runs right through blood. all their bones. Oh my god. I literally was like, wait, what? Remember when you asked me if a shark was a mammal like three weeks ago? Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the thing that happens when you um, chop someone or something up is mm -hmm. that the blood tends to leave. Yep. Um, and that. the blood is what does most of the coloring inside of the body. Yeah, Roger. So Roger when that. the blood is gone... It's very fucking bland to look at. Mm. So if you found a way to keep all the blood in there, <laughs> maybe a I'd be interested. But as it is just also drained and bland, mm -hmm. no thank you. But like I said, although the cross sections creep me out, the cross sections on this one are very minimal mm -hmm. because it is cut widthwise, not lengthwise. Mm -hmm. And it really does open up the styling possibilities. Yeah. You can shake it up. You don't just have this one giant fucking shark. It makes it easier yeah. to uh, transport. 
So if I want to take it to my holiday house, I can just shove it on my... Just moving house from one, you know, upper Manhattan apartment Mm -hmm. to another penthouse. Pop each section on a couple of skateboards and drag it down the street. There you go. transport my art. However, I would not want literally this exact shark because... No, Maddie. Mm -mm. Maddie. I would want this exact art, but not this shark because this shark was caught specifically for the art. Okay. So. All right. So you're doing an ethical. Yeah. Because I was like, you can't just change your, your, the shark in it. You can't be like, can we get a different well, shark? Well, actually, they did change the shark in it. Oh. I'll get to that again oh. in a moment. I'm just wow. trying to follow my notes here because, as I said, modern art, really out of my fucking league. So. <laughs> sharks, however, right in my league. Yeah. So the fact that this shark was caught specifically to be put into the art makes me very sad and I don't like that because I don't think we should ever, ever, ever kill sharks. Yeah, I didn't know about that side mm. of it and now I'm oh, like... very controversial. Yeah. Yeah, so I would want this art. Well, anyways, I didn't like most of his work and then I thought the shark ones looked cool but mm-hmm. I truthfully don't think I actually fully ever processed how the sharks got in there. Yeah, so I would want this but like with a shark that had already died yep. before being selected for the art. And I think there is something like some of the ones he uses like were not killed specifically for the art Mm -hmm. but he is very very controversial for like that exact reason slash like he uses animals in his art anyway yeah um some of them are dead beforehand and some are killed for the art which we we don't condone here no um however there are some stats online saying that nearly a million animals have died for his art and i was like that's fucking insane that's so many uh but when you look into that that is counting things like individual maggots oh yeah okay and flies and shit Mm. And even that is really overestimating it. Yeah. So, like, bad if any animal dies. But, like, look into your stats before you yeah. come crying at Damien's door. Shark aside, he's done just a shitload of different animals in this style. So, he's yeah. done, like, sheep. Yep. He's done, like, cows, horses. I bunch could of go shit. on. A bunch of shit. I could name <laughs> every animal in the farmyard. He's probably done it. And I'm not drawn to any of those. No. But I think it's because the shark looks like it's swimming. It looks like it, it is it's, in its, its environment. It's the water element of it, yeah. Yeah, so it just looks fucking dope. Yeah. It just looks like you have an actual shark. And I could never have an actual shark in my house because, first of all, all the cool ones die immediately if you put them in a fucking aquarium. Yep. And second of all, I just don't want people coming banging down my door saying, why do you have a shark in your house? Don't you think you love sharks? That's so cruel. Yeah. And I'd have to be like, ugh, you're correct. And I'd have to give them my fucking shark? Like yeah. Carol Baskin? They'd be like, I have a shark reserve. And then they're just doing the exact same thing as me but calling it a check. Anyway, so that's why I could never have a real shark in my home, but I could have Mm -hmm. a real dead shark. Yeah, preserved in formaldehyde. He did like a sheep and then cut the sheep in half longitudinally, which means just down the middle, and it's just so uncomfortable. It's just so rank, and like I said, you can't. There's not enough color. Yeah. Very bland. Yeah. Figure out how to keep the blood in there, Damien. <laughs> so, he's controversial for very obvious reasons. So, this is not like we stand Damien Hurst here. No. But it is a sick fucking art. Interesting facts about the shark. It was commissioned by Charles Saatchi of advertising and publicly strangling Nigella Lawson fame. <laughs> so, not a great guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was a one of the earliest, if not the earliest, benefactor of Damien Hurst and his work. Yeah. They worked together very closely for the first couple of years, and then they fell out probably because, like, Charles Saatchi is definitely a horrible fucking person. Yeah. Please don't come for me. <laughs> um, Deadass, please don't come. Oh, God. They fell out for unknown reasons, and I'm sure both parties were completely innocent. But <laughs> he basically said to Damien Hurst that he would pay for whatever Damien Hurst wanted to make. Yeah. So he didn't specifically commission the shark, but Damien was like, sick one. Yeah. I'm just starting out as an artist. Let's go get me a tiger shark and shove it in. Go big, go home. A big old tank. Yeah. And then Charles Saatchi bought it for him, from him. 
Mm-hmm. Then they fell out. So Charles Saatchi sold it to some guy for like $8 million. Yeah. And the lesson we learned from that is that if you are rich, it really pays to be the benefactor of an emerging artist. Yeah. I think that's like a pipeline like for income that we haven't thought about properly yet. Well, becoming... Once we're a little bit rich... When we have some money. We find some emerging artists. Yeah. And we just be like, yeah, I'll bankroll you and then we can sell that shit. True. That's a great idea. That's a good idea. Remember how you said that it would have to be that one specific shark because they couldn't just swap the sharks out. Mm-hmm. They had to swap the sharks out in 2006 because he hadn't preserved it properly and it was oh. rotting and changing shape. So Ew. there are some Ew. photos out there of this fucking shark. <laughs> Let me find one. <laughs> oh. And it's like starting to get like a bit pickled and yeah. deformed because the skin is like tightening and it just doesn't look great. So yeah, they had to swap the shark out Damn. for a different shark. I don't know whether the second shark was also killed specifically for the art. Mm. I'm just going to ignore that. And if you know the answer, please don't tell me unless it's a good one. Yeah. Just in case I do own this one day. <laughs> With your millions. The interesting thing about this as an art, though, is that, goddamn the upkeep. Yeah. Like, you have to restore paintings, sure. But it's not the same as, like, having to no. swap out an entire fucking tiger shark in formaldehyde. What's going to happen when Damien Hirst dies? Maybe the art piece dies then. Maybe that's part of it. It's kind of beautiful in mm. a way. Mm. Although, like, imagine if you, like, just bought it and then he had dies in a freak accident and you're like, are you kidding me? I don't get to upkeep my shark now. Yeah, does that still count as an art if someone else has to replace the shark? Because, like, the intention was there in the first place? Because yeah. you know how sometimes people have to renovate paintings to the extent where, like, there's very little of the original painting left. It's yeah. just been, like, done so many times over the years. Yeah. Or, like, how they're swapping out little pieces of um, Vladimir Lenin's body every year yeah. when it starts rotting. So, if, eventually, he'll just be waxed. So, I really want to get there and look at it while there's still corpse left. Um, but that's interesting. Yeah. Would that still be a valid Damien Hirst art? I think it would be, and it, but it would be transformative in its nature. Mm. And that would be, like, changing the meaning of the art. I mean, because art is always kind of how people perceive it but artists do often come to it with a certain meaning yeah and what people take away from the art is often along the lines of what the artist intended but by the time the artist is dead and he hasn't touched that new shark then i think it's just going to take on a whole new meaning Mm. maybe he'll train someone in it that's what i was thinking i was like maybe there's like an official lineage of people who are allowed to replace the shark yeah or something like that like a special like knighthood for people who can replace Mm. his weird animals speaking of transforming um the artworks Mm -hmm. Some guy, just like a random like quote unquote artist, yeah. walked into I believe it was the um the Saatchi Gallery mm-hmm. in Kensington, where Damien Hurst, like one of his sheep was being displayed uh-huh. and poured a bunch of black ink into the tank Ooh. and was like, I've now transformed the art into black sheep. And he oh, was like my. he was like, Damien Hurst won't mind because he's an artist and he'd understand what I was mm. trying to do. And they were like, mm, and just like cleaned the sheep up. But yeah. then he does have another art called Black Sheep. So I'm like, where's the credit? Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Damien Hurst has done several other sharks of varying cursedness and desirability. So he's done uh, two sharks in 2007, right after he replaced that first shark, mm-hmm. called Death Denied, which is a whole shark, and Death Explained, which is a shark that is, it looks identical from the outside, but it is bisected longitudinally, aka cut in half down the middle, in two <laughs> separate tanks. And I would never, ever, 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 ever want that one because it is so fucking cursed, but not quite enough for my other list. There's one with like four bull sharks, mm-hmm. uh, aptly named Theology, Philosophy, Medicine, Justice, 
seems cool at first, but then up close it's leaning towards cursed because you're like, these sharks are just not preserved super well. Um, and it, so it really depends on the freshness of the sharks. And his most cursed shark by far is Leviathan, which is a basking shark. And those motherfuckers are cursed alive. So imagine how cursed this shit is when it is pickled. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. Also cursed 11 sausages in brackets 1993. Uh, anything he's done with butterflies and pretty much any animal one except for selected sharks. And my, uh, my final little note on Damien Hurst is... Uh-huh. Oh, two little notes. For his exhibit at the mm-hmm. Venice Biennale, if you're in culture, the Venice Biennale is a, an art festivale that happens every two years in Venice. Mm-hmm. I believe it's on uh, odd years, so it hasn't been cancelled for uh, the Panny D. Uh, he did an exhibit there where he basically made a bunch of like fake statues and stuff from like a shipwreck, mm-hmm. and then he made an entire documentary about this fake shipwreck being found yeah. and all these things being like dragged up. And when you rewatch it- I remember thinking this was the coolest shit. Yeah, I remember <laughs> thinking it was real. So <laughs> in retrospect, I watched a bit of it the other night. It's called Treasures from the Wreck of the Unbelievable. Um, and it's on YouTube. It used to be on Netflix, but you can find it somewhere. In retrospect, very fake. Obviously very fucking yeah. fake. But I just like clicked on it one night and was like, ships, that's fun. And then like, <laughs> you're like, wow, it- Something feels a bit off, but like they're finding all this stuff, and you're like, you don't question it because you think it's a fucking documentary. documentary, yeah. But then, like, somewhere near the end, they pull up, like, I don't remember what it was, but it was something akin to like a bust of Rihanna yeah. or something, and you're like, mm. <laughs> have I been had here? <laughs> have I been slightly misled? Yeah. My final little uh, note about Damie is <laughs> his two other sharks, Death Denied and Death Explained. So, mm-hmm. Death Explained is the ones cut down the middle, make up a pair of orcs called. Coming to terms with and trying to understand the complexity of the feelings and ever-changing fears and doubts that every human being experiences when faced every moment with the unfathomable uncertainties of death. I suppose one could say Damien Hurst is the panic at the disco of the art world. God, I hate you. It's, am I wrong? I quit this podcast. <laughs> and that is my Damien Hurst spiel. I had to put a little Van Gogh in here because... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh. Why don't, I you, love why don't you take the people through your, you, you and Van Gogh? I, well, <laughs> not to say that I am also a talented artist myself, but just to show how far back this goes. When I was literally five or six, I think I was six, I painted, <laughs> I did my own rendition of uh, his famous sunflowers painting. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> and it was just all pink. <laughs> So I just have this painting of like pink flowers and I remember my teacher telling me I was actually uh, really smart because you could see like the stems going into the vase which shows that I had that like great perception. It's like how I never drew hands because I didn't know how to draw hands and my teachers were like, it means she's shy. And my mom was like, no, she just can't draw hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just remember like at the age of six drawing some fucking flowers and being like, this is like that sunflower painting I like. Jesus Christ. Um, I also know that my parents had... A Van Gogh print, and for like way too long in my life, I thought we had a Van Gogh in the house. Like, not way too long as in like as a teenager, but just as a young kid. Just a you don't question it. You just no. see the art in your house, like, and then you oh, see a shit. picture of it somewhere else, and it's like, oh, our painting is very famous. That's like so we just crazy. have a fucking like multi million dollar fucking Gustav Klimt <laughs> in our weird house in Boston. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I absolutely love Van Gogh. I think that his play with color especially which is like what his fave thing was anyway but i i guess we're kind of the same in that way we're really on the same wavelength i find it so incredibly 
captivating and every time I have been lucky enough to see his work in real life, I, I just spend so, so long because each and every brush stroke is so enchanting. Like, yeah. I cannot describe it. It is one of those things like when you see it in person, you're like, Oh. When you see it in person, it will blow your fucking mind. Like I said, the crabs before, they're my favorite Van Gogh. And when you look at just a picture of it, you're like, yeah, it's two crabs on like a turquoise background. But when you see it in person, you're like, this shit is masterful. Yeah, it's it's incredible. So I think, yeah, that was some of the first art that like really moved me. I remember seeing it. Obviously, the first time I saw a Van Gogh wasn't in real life. But I remember... Or was it? <laughs> it was the original that we had in our living room. <laughs> But yeah, no, I just like absolutely loved it. And then as soon as I saw him in person, I was like, oh, this is insane. And also like just knowing a bit about his life and all the stuff he's gone through. Um, I love it. You went it. through some stuff? <laughs> just one or two things. Oh. Did you, wait, are you being, oh no, you're faking it. Did he marry his childhood sweetheart? I hate then... you. Also the, I love the Doctor Who episode with Vincent Van Gogh. Oh my God. I <laughs> Like if you cry wept, every Tim. I literally wept like a tiny, tiny child. I think we all did. Because he's yeah. such a sympathetic like little guy yeah. and you can like look into some theories about like oh yeah there's like that, that whole thing about like there's a lot of pain there like maybe this one kid shot van gogh and he didn't actually shoot himself and then he said that he shot himself because um he wanted to protect the kid in the mm-hmm. village like look into that oh my god yeah it's really upsetting although one thing i found really just funny funny quirky with the doctor who episode mm-hmm. is that they the guy who plays vincent van gogh in that episode looks like Vincent Van Gogh's paintings of himself, which makes a lot of sense because a lot of people recognize Van Gogh through his self-portraits. Van Gogh doesn't look fucking shit all like the portraits. Yeah, Google him now. And if you're listening, Google him now. He just doesn't look... Like, it looks a bit like him, but it does not look enough like it. Maddie's face right now is so confused seeing what Van Gogh actually looks like. But he's got very... He's very dark, hair. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he just looks like um like a sailor, like a like a someone who would ex- like explore Australia back in the day. Yeah, he just doesn't look. What the fuck? <laughs> a what sailor, someone who explored fu- Australia back in the day. Yeah, like you he mean when they been... colonized? Yeah, I wasn't gonna go there. I, that's why I stopped. <laughs> it was like the fun sailors that come. No, to he explore. just looks like a bougie man who like, but who loved the sea too much to take a wife. Fair. You know, maybe that was. He just, yeah, but he really doesn't look that much like what his self portraits. It's his own perception of him, but I found it really funny, and it makes a lot of sense why they would cast someone who looks like the portraits because Damn. everyone knows what he looks like through the portraits. But it really isn't that similar to what he actually looks like. Truly, you think you know someone, and then this mm. shit. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> we did um, see his little house in Montmartre. In Paris, mm-hmm. it was a fun little moment. But yeah. yeah, what is your what's your number one? So the one that I would go for is Starry Night on Rhone. Uh, sorry, Over the Rhone. Starry Night Over the Rhone. God, it's like I've never even heard of Van Gogh. Um, <laughs> several reasons for loving this. One, I think where I will start is Van Gogh and the night sky slash night in general. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Van Gogh's art really plays strongly on color. And it's like his favorite thing. I feel like if he saw a plane in the sky, he wouldn't be like, that's a plane in the sky. He'd be like a white etching across the sapphire canvas. Like he just, he sees Not even, he'd see like a gray plane and be like, there's a lot of purple and orange in that. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And whenever he would describe his art, he wrote a lot of letters, especially to his brother, some to his sister, but he would just describe his artwork with just colors. And I just imagined Tio getting it and being like, 
dude, you literally described shit here. You just told me a bunch of colors. And Van Gogh's like, I see it. It is beautiful. Um, so, love anything with Van Gogh doing at night because color is so important to him. But at night, there's no color. It's, it's a lot of darkness. I like that it's one of the only starry nights that has a little people in it. So it's fun, a little bit of company. Something that I learned when I was Googling this one mm-hmm. and has blown my hecking mind mm-hmm. is part of why he liked to capture the night sky or like capture things at night mm-hmm. was because artificial light was new. Like this painting was less than a decade after the light bulb was invented. So imagine you're a painter and your one is visually fueled as Van Gogh. And then suddenly people are putting fucking light bulbs around. You've never seen a light bulb before. That's true. I remember when they got power at Downton Abbey. It's insane. Mm. So I'm just imagining him being like, holy fucking shit. Because he's drawing the reflections of the town being lit up. And five years before that, he wouldn't have been able to do that. So I just imagine him sitting there with his little tiny mind being really blown. His little tiny mind. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) However, (laughs) glad that he didn't live to see light pollution. Because can you imagine him looking out of the night sky and it's just really like you sad. can't see shit? Oh god, yeah, that would be really upsetting. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I really liked is that he did include um, Ursa Major, like the bear, uh, in the constellation, which is one of my personal favourite constellations because the drama behind, I think it's like Greek? Yeah, it would be Greek because Jupiter. I think Jupiter's Roman. Okay. Yeah. It's Roman. Anyway, Greek, Roman, some type of mythology, some okay. sort of European <laughs> mythology that would have reached Vincent van Gogh's ears, I believe. Mm-hmm. The story behind how Ursa Major came to be in the sky is literally because Jupiter and Juno are married and they're vibing. And then Jupiter starts <laughs> to get lured in by Callisto. And so Juno, like a normal heckin' person, turns Callisto into a bear. That's right. So that Jupiter doesn't want to fuck her anymore. <laughs> and then... Uh, Callisto has I can't remember if it's like a son or a niece or some shit like that like a young child figure in her life is out hunting and sees the bear and is like I'm gonna kill the bear and Jupiter sees this and to stop like a really bad tragedy from happening where he like kills his family member he just turns the other one into a little bear and so there's just Ursa Major and Ursa Minor which are just two fucking bears hanging out in the sky but Jupiter had that power and he didn't just make this girl that he was into back into a human. He didn't make Callisto human again. He's not like, I'm just going to make more bears. It's not worth it. Um, happy wife, happy life. Truly. So I just like to imagine Van Gogh having a really deep moment, like being like, whoa, color. And then him putting the stars, like plotting them out and being like, hey, it's the fucking bear. Um, just having a, having a vibe with it, having a good time yeah. um, before, I don't know, probably crying onto the canvas because he found the perfect shade of blue again. Um... Aren't there, like, some, like, what are the, the theories about, like, he wasn't, like, colorblind, but there was something that may have affected, like, his vision and how he actually literally saw color? So, there were... However, I do worry that that's just trying to, like, discredit his genius, but... Yeah, there are some theories about the way... It, it was mostly down to, like, mental health. They were like, oh, he can't see things because he's, like, too creative, and he obviously had a lot of mental health issues, and they didn't yeah. know what those were. Fun fact, I'm pretty sure this is a real fact that mm-hmm. I learned from the moment, of course, but I may have made it up. Didn't he paint the actual, like, the main Starry Night, like, from the window of his asylum? Yeah. And, like, it's not actually a real view. It's different components of different views mixed together. Yeah. I mean, a, a, lot, a lot of his work is, like, the one that I've chosen, 
the real like you can see a photo of where he would have painted it and there's a lot changed but i think that he kind of just liked to mush things together yeah he was like i like that steeple so that goes in here it's like his perception of like what the nice stuff looks like yeah it's also when he whenever he paints something it's i mean he's fucking it's surreal art it's modern artists it's not going to be like a photograph yeah and a lot of the time he'd be like i like this one image but I liked this thing that I saw the other day over here and I liked this and this and this and so it kind of just pulls them all together I just I didn't realize the whole light bulb connection before and until you had your own light bulb moment until I had my own light bulb moment and I'm just like damn like Vince Van Gogh was around when the light bulb was becoming like a popular thing Mm -hmm. that would have been so wild for like anyone to go through but especially for Van Gogh yeah um but yeah so that is why I would like Starry Night on Roan because it is my personal favorite Starry Night, and you gotta that's go a it. little bit off the beaten track. You're not trying to be super indie, but like, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I do really love the normal one, but I think I feel like it would just get stolen immediately. Yeah, true that as well. But also, yeah, it's the one that whenever I've seen it, it's at the Musée d'Orsay. I'm always just like, holy fucking shit, this is incredible. The and Musée d'Orsay. Musée d'Orsay. Yeah. Um, and I have seen the Big Main Boy Starry Night mm-hmm. um, at MoMA in New York. Yeah. And I really liked it, but I think that part of the reason is well, I mean, in general, I like the composition of the one I've chosen anyway. Yeah. But when I saw it, it was surrounded by people. Like, yeah. it was MoMA in New York. It was so busy. It was so loud. There were so many people taking photos. And the museum and gallery experience in god oh my god sounds so pretentious but (laughs) the museum and gallery experience in paris is so much more intimate Mm. and reverent when compared to new york yes so the experience that i have viewing van gogh artworks in france and in paris has been much better than it was in new york so that's part of why i like that particular starry night over the main and even sometimes in the same gallery like i remember one time i was in the gallery i think it was the national gallery in london Mm mm-hmm at one point where they had the sunflowers, I think it was the sunflowers, it was some like, mm. really famous one. And like, there were just so many people, not a huge crowd, but enough people there that I was like, I, I should move along. Yeah. And then I like turned around, walked a meter the other way and just stared at the crabs for ages. Yeah. So now I'm like, I love the crabs. Well, that's a lot of why I end up liking random pieces of art and people don't normally look at. I'm so indie like that, but just because I really like to stare at it for so long, like a fucking weirdo and look at every stroke and lose my goddamn mind. Another thing that blows my mind over any old art, but like Van Gogh as well, is mm-hmm. when I'm staring at it and I'm just like, that stroke was done so long ago. Yeah, that's what I love. And now I'm staring at it and someone put all their heart and soul into this and they've never even like heard of this world that we're living in. I'm losing my fucking mind. Yeah, my favorite thing is when you go to like a historical palace or something, I have a portrait of like fucking Henry VIII and you're just like, this is literally the portrait that is in his fucking house. Yeah. He was in the room with this. Like, yes. And like, and now you're in the, like, yeah. That's, that blows my freaking yeah. mind. And one interesting thing is that Van Gogh was alive at the same time as Jack the Ripper was doing his thing. Yeah. Do you think he knew? The, the, who Jack the Ripper was? No, just that it was happening. Um. Do you think word reached him? I'm not sure, actually. Because it really took the world by storm. So I feel it like. It didn't, because I think his brother lived in the Netherlands for a while. Yeah, but I feel like but it would have traveled. Jack, they really grabbed onto that everywhere. I th- feel like my perception of 
time before the internet is no one knew anything that was going on anywhere else. No, people knew about the <laughs> no, river. I, I'm aware that people knew about it, but in my mind, I'm like, unless it's a literal, like, there's a world war happening, no one really knows about anything. Weirdly, I feel like Vinny would have been less likely to ingest a war than the Ripper. I feel like he might have been interested in the Ripper, but Fair. what do you guys think? Do you think Actually, Vincent no, Van Gogh was like, like... I feel like mass levels of pain from a war would fuel Van Gogh a bit. That's true. Oh my God, I was so... He would like literally have a breakdown because he would just think about yeah. like one specific person dying near a flower or something. Yeah, and then he'd realize that it's like happening on a massive scale and I mean, we all know it ended anyway, but... Anyway, or do we? Google it. <laughs> so, if anyone here knows history stuff, how much got around back in the day? A lot. I know history stuff. What? I have a fucking history degree. No, but you have... Uh, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I also spend all my free time looking up historical things. I know, things. so did people... Like, would Jack the Ripper have gone into Germany? Jack the Ripper specifically, or I would France, say... France, which is where they go once. I don't know why I said Germany. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was... They were even more bored then. People used mm, to go, like, stand at board. murders for entertainment. They would go look at the crime scene and yeah. just, like, gather around. That's fair. And Jack the Ripper is more well-documented than a lot of crimes that happened, like, in the 80s. When Rome burned, uh-huh. how, do you, how far do you reckon the news spread within a week? Really far because the Roman Empire was, like, so fucking big. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I really do think, until having to talk about this, I was imagining things literally happened... At most, at a country level, but also probably more like you just know what's happening in your town. And yeah, maybe but also the countries over. weren't what we think. It was more just large territories. Yeah. And words. My main thing is I don't understand how fast a horse can go and how fast they'd be able to actually physically get messages places. Mm. But like it would spread far and wide. Did pigeons actually deliver messages? Yes. Fun. And pigeons still race now, and the queen has racing pigeons, and so does the dad of a guy I worked at Superdry with. Uh, pigeons faster than horses. For delivering messages. For the um, specific purpose of delivering a message. You're I'd imagine learning. it depends on, like, the distance. And also, if you want to go over terrain that, like, would be difficult for a horse, just get a bird to fly it. Mm. Um, pigeon racing beats horsepower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Further, faster, more impressive speeds than racehorses. And they can go as the crow flies. And they're as cheaper, the flies. too. Pigeon just, much cheaper than a horse. It's just crazy to me that people use pigeons to send stuff. Yeah, it is bonkers that You'd you would really... trust a pigeon to come back. Yeah, I'd expect like... a more dignified bird, like a falcon. Mm. I mean, maybe we're just overlooking the the pigeon. Liam says that pigeons are rats of the sky, though. Everyone says pigeons are rats of the sky because they are. They're disgusting. But maybe we're overlooking... Maybe they're the, the underdog. The champion I... of the sky. Just no, the they're not they... the champion of the sky. Okay, they get literally eaten by other fucking birds. They're disgusting. Don't overthink this. We've all seen pigeons. I just, I am wondering how. Like, imagine sending a letter to someone on a pigeon. Uh, you just tie it and be like, <laughs> "You hope for that." I really hope that this gets there. Yeah, and then if it doesn't get, like, there's just so you much just miscommunication. Know. So that's why I think that the horse mm. and an actual human being. Probably are more reliable. Track delivery. Yeah. So, (laughs) just in case you were wondering, guys. But yeah, Jack the Ripper would have have been known far and wide. Mm. If you think about the fact that people knew in, like, England what was happening in America in, like, the fucking 1600s. Did they? Yes. I don't know. I don't know. I know a lot about history. I've never once thought about the communication element, apart from, like, when Marie Antoinette was writing all her naughty letters. To the Swedish guy. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think that's the only thing I've thought specifically about how they communicate. Or like I knew that Van Gogh sent good old good old Ted, his brother, some But then letters. you're just like post it's postman, sent by the postman. Yeah, that's I, that doesn't need to be news. No. He's just like, Hello brother, I've written an art and 
Ted's probably just like, I'm done. But it's like when Angelica goes back to visit Hamilton and his, her sister for like the summer and it's like, you s we're on a boat for like six months to go to a lake for like a week? What the fuck? Yeah. Anyway, we digress. But <laughs> we truly do love to digress. That's what you're here for. <laughs> that is my wrap on Van Gogh. Maddie, what is your next art piece? My final art mm -hmm. that I would love in my house mm -hmm. took a few twists and turns. Oh, so. God. I have a real thing with modern art that is literally just a blank canvas because that is like peak capital A art. Yeah. And I just find it so fucking funny. Like, yeah. I don't care what the artist says. They're like, it represents war in my home country. Like, yeah. it's a blank fucking canvas. This is so funny. Yeah. Or like a white canvas with a dot. It's like the that Beatles cover that was done by a very famous artist. And the it's white just, album. Yeah. And it's just white with the Beatles written on it. And, and then, like, like, a shadow of a dude. Yeah. I'm, like, bold to do that. Yeah. Like, I just think it's fucking hilarious. So, I was trying to find, like, a blank black canvas because I could vibe with that. Mm-hmm but I could not find um, a good enough specific example. Then I just like doubled back to like the giant fuck off Monet. Just FYI, the Monet that I would want if anyone's listening wants to buy me a Monet is not like the really famous water lilies because that's just not my aesthetic. The colors are too bland for me. It is like the, I know I mentioned this, sorry. If you want to buy me a Monet, rewind. Um, <laughs> I'm not doing the fucking work for you. <laughs> so then I started thinking modern art, I'm putting myself in too much of a box here. Yes, I have a shark in a literal box, but then I also already have a painting. So do I need another like normal generic painting? And the final art that I was contemplating was first created as a fresco in 1930 by Elias Garcia Martinez, but rose to fame in 2012 when an addition was made by another artist. This art is that fresco of Jesus that the old lady painted over in 2012 so it looked like the Ikea monkey. Remember this guy? Yeah, no, I know the one you're talking about. Do you, viewer, listener at home, remember <laughs> back in the day 2012 when that old lady in, like, Spain painted over the fresco of Jesus and made it look like the Ikea monkey? <laughs> that's the lady. That's the Ikea Jesus. So that's Jesus. the art that you want? Well, it was. <laughs> I was thinking I'd love to have that, just that iconic fucking Ikea monkey Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> because what fucking clout imagine i invite people over into my conservatory with my crabs and my lemons mm -hmm. and then i'm like turn this way there's a giant slab of concrete with ikea monkey jesus they lose their <sighs> fucking minds they're screaming maddie how did you get this that's crazy <laughs> a prime example of art like gaining significance when it's been horrifically tampered with but then mm -hmm. i found out the good people of that little town mm -hmm. have experienced a huge rush of much-needed tourism because of the horrific Jesus. Aww. So I cannot take that away from them. Fair. They need this far more Where than is I it? do. Somewhere in Spain. Okay, yeah, I yeah. was like, it's somewhere, somewhere in Spain, Spain but... Yeah. I don't know where, but, like, the little town now gets tourists because everyone wants to see this fucking Okay, thing. good for them. Yeah, We so won't take that from them. Absolutely not. Out of the kindness of my heart, they can keep it. Then I was like, fuck. What, what can I have that's even vaguely equivalent? Mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then it came to me. What? The final modern art that I would be fucking thrilled to have mm -hmm. in my home, in my office, by my side, mm -hmm. is that horrific taxidermy fox that looks like it's waiting at no. a bus stop. No. Yeah. The one where it's like, Rrr. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> you all know the fox, guys. Why? You know the fox. <laughs> You can't tell me that's not a modern art. It's sitting there like this going, uh, it looks like it's waiting at a bus stop so nervously. Oh my, I want it so fucking bad. Now I'm like determined. I'm Taxidermy. So mad that like, because I love and respect modern <laughs> art, I'm not allowed to tell you that 
No. <laughs> you can't tell me that's not art. No, yeah, you're right, I can't. It makes me feel something. I can't do that. It's beautiful. <laughs> it was definitely made recently. Uh-huh. Taxidermy itself is an art form. I mean, modern It's not an art form that I generally want in my home. Mm-hmm. But that little fucking fox, with its little tootsies dangling down, and its little hands folded oh so neatly, so and mad. that little traumatized expression on its demon face, <laughs> that is the sweetest little thing I've ever seen. It brings me so much so joy. Mad. And I love it. Absolutely love to welcome him into my family. Do you know, Maddie, like how long I spent going through so many artists that I love, going through all the galleries I visited to find exhibitions that really <laughs> made me feel something and inspired me and I thought it was so fucking cool to get myself to only three pieces of art and then you come in, you firstly take Dali from me and then your final piece is a fucking taxidermy art. <laughs> I'm sorry, but have you seen him? I obviously have seen him, Maddie. <laughs> I'm so fucking mad. I had so much more to say about the data movement if I had Dali. I'm so mad. They've got him holding an iPhone. You could dress him up for Christmas. Look how nervous he is. He's just my favorite. I like that to find that you typed in taxidermy fox so, so bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> a little hand. Oh, I'd put a little hat on him at Christmas. And I could put the, the lemons to the left and then the crabs just above and he'd sit in my conservatory. <sighs> oh my god. Um, my runner up was that weird bust mm-hmm. of Cristiano Ronaldo that they made for like that airport or whatever. Uh, um but I will say Jesus I went through a similar process to you where I spent hours and hours and hours just going through so much modern art. Mm. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? Don't what would think I think it? Don't try and put art in a box. What is something that's put spoken it on a to box. you? <laughs> or on a little chair. He just looks so delicate and so traumatized oh. in a way that I really relate to. I feel like this is my like pre-coffee or post-too-much-coffee vibe. Yeah, That's what, what art means to me. And uh, yes, I may have gone through several hours of Dali. I may have gone through a bunch of Monet. I may have looked at a lot of Rodin. But nothing mm-hmm. quite jumped out at me like this precious little guy. So, All right. Thank All right. you. <laughs> So, after that... Sorry, I just have to close my taxidermy fox, because otherwise I'm never... Oh. Close it, Maddie. I love him so much. So oh, I'll close him. After you... <laughs> she closed him, it just has the Jesus monkey there now. <laughs> they literally do call it, like, the monkey. So, now that we have discussed Maddie's taxidermy fox, um, my final art piece is Gleaming Lights of the Souls by Yayumi Kasama. <laughs> Who was mine by? The taxidermy fox. Thank you to Adele Moore's creator of The Fox. Okay. Yaya Kusama, which I'm butchering her name, um, absolutely obsessed. First of all, if you don't know who Kusama is, she is a Japanese artist. When I was writing my notes, I was like, oh, she's just this like tiny Japanese woman in her 60s. She always wears a bright red wig cut into a bob. She loves her bright lipstick. She loves polka dots both in her outfits and in her art. Um... And I googled her just to make sure on some facts. She's 91 and she is still up and around, like going to her exhibitions, doing interviews and stuff. She is so cool. Like she is so insanely cool. Um, So I actually didn't write any notes about uh, Kusama, but just off the top of my head, 
she's a Japanese artist, started off in Japan, and then I think it was like someone came to visit her and was like, yo, you better get to America. She lived in Seattle for a little bit, then she lived in New York, and she does these really, she does do paintings as well, but her main thing is these dope as hell installations. So she'll, she has a few permanent installations as a major... Uh, galleries around the world. The first one I remember seeing of hers and then being like, that's an artist I need to look into more, was at the Louisiana, Louisiana in Copenhagen. And then I looked up her stuff and I was like, oh, I have seen a few more of these. Um, but if you have ever seen those, you know when like influencers go into those light, like rooms and it's just full of mirrors and full of lights and it's like insanely beautiful? Yeah. A lot of those are her or inspired by her. Oh, yeah. How insane. I feel like Van Gogh would have loved this shit. Oh, my God. He would have lost his absolute damn mind. Mm -hmm. So her main work is installations. She likes to play a lot with just the concept of infinity mm -hmm. in general. So lots of mirrors. Yeah, so yeah. she does a lot of mirrors, but also even with, like, a lot of her other sculptures that don't have mirrors, or even ones that do, will have a lot of polka dots, and she uses, like, dots and circles and size to really make something seem a lot bigger than it is. I saw one artwork. I saw the water polka dots, which is just yellow dots, and you put your head into a little box and you look around. And the way that the mirrors are and everything is just like really trippy. But a few things that I love about her is that she does churn out art like it's the old days. As we've discussed, the artists that blow our minds where they're like, oh yeah, they just made like a casual 90 pieces in this six month period of their life or whatever. And you're like, how? Yeah. Like, I think I worked out for Dali that it was literally like he was making like a famous fucking art every week forever. Yeah. But her stuff blows my mind because <laughs> she, like there was a period in her life where she was churning out like one of these installations at least every couple of months. And then also doing other artwork along the side of it. The artwork that I have chosen, mm -hmm. which was one of Fiona's favorite artworks, and now because we're doing it in my house, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'll have one of these rooms in my house. Mm -hmm. The people describe being in one of her light rooms. The one I've chosen is Gleaming Lights of the Souls, but there's a lot of different ones where it's like fireflies on water or lights of this, da-da-da. There's a lot. Um, but this is the one that I saw at the Louisiana, so it's the one that had the, the biggest impact on me. It's It's... I don't know how to... It's otherworldly when you're yeah. in there because you feel completely out of your body. You're just looking around. It's limitless. You can forget everything that exists apart from just the darkness and all these glistening lights. Yeah, and it takes and they, away, like, all your concept of, like, the space around you. Yeah. yeah. And they change color as well when you're in there. So just everything is glistening. Everything is... It's just so insanely beautiful. Like, you can look at photos. You can look at videos. But just when you're there, it's insanely beautiful hmm. so i didn't know it was for my house but imagine having one of those in your house it'd be fucking sick it'd just be like if i had to have my meditation every night i'd just go into that room and yeah. just be like whoa i also find it really interesting because a lot of her work is also rooted in a lot of feminism and activism and she did this one boss ass thing which i remember reading about in high school which i guess should have clocked her age but i didn't really know anything it was in like the 60s um and she was invited to this art gallery thing no idea where it was but she was invited to do an art gallery at some big fancy meeting of art people and she had a bunch of silver balls that were reflective and <laughs> she was meant to set them up somewhere but instead she just stood outside the gallery called them balls of narcissism and sold them for two dollars and the people wearing the thing were like wait no you're meant to like set this up in a gallery and she's like here's your narcissism here's your narcissism <laughs> Um, but I find it really interesting that she played so much on 
the whole, you know, narcissism, aesthetics, caring more about, like, what you look like on the outside. And then her light, like, installations now becoming so big with influencers on Instagram. Yeah. I'm like, I just want to hear her speak about it. I mean, she might have, honestly. I haven't really Googled for it. But, <laughs> yeah, I just find it really interesting that her original themes of people caring more about vanity and narcissism than what's on the inside. And it was also about, like, the commodification and the capitalistic ventures surrounding art. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, would love to hear her thoughts on it. Um, Kasami, hit me up if you're free. <laughs> to revisit, Fiona's three arts she would like in her house. Uh, my three arts are the portrait of Sylvia von Harden, Starry Night on the Rhone, and Gleaming Lights of the Souls. And mine is the little-known Still Life with Two Lemons by Dali, a big fuck-off shark by <sighs> Damien Hirst, and that beautiful little taxidermy fox. I just, I'm so mad. <laughs> I really would love a Rodan statue. I just didn't have anything interesting to say about it. Yeah, I think, yeah, if it comes to having things in my house, like, I'm just glad I did it this way because it would probably be the same answer and I'd just be more stressed out because I'm like, where am I going? You know what I need? I need a place like the Musée Jacques-Marc-André which is in Paris, which is basically this old dude's house and it's just a mansion full of art. So you go in. It is one of the museums that cost money in Paris because a lot of them are free. It's a privately owned collection. But you just walk in and there's this... It's a French mansion, like very, very grand. And every room you go in has just different types of art in there because they were massive, famous art collectors. And when I went there, I was like, I want to own a house like this one day. I want a place where I have an entire wing just dedicated to art. One room is a pink room, and all the walls were pink, and then it just had art. And then you go into this, like, tiny, dimly lit room with some, like, brown leather couches, and they've got these tiny little Renaissance ones with the gold leaf on and stuff. And there was, like, a full sculpture area that had a sculpture garden. It was so fancy. And I was yeah. like, I want this for my life. Because you'd have to be stupid, stupid rich. Yeah. Like, insanely rich. Yeah. That's what... If I became stupid, stupid rich... I mean, firstly, I'd fix the entire world. Yeah. But... Then art. After that, I just want some fucking insanely fancy art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, realistically, if you were, like, literally Maddie, you can have any three modern arts. Yeah. The, the Which giant... is the thing we did for this episode. I know, but it's not. it wouldn't be interesting <laughs> for me to be like, I'd love a Rodin statue because it's pretty and my aesthetic. Fair. I'd love a giant Monet because it's pretty iconic and my aesthetic. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it wouldn't have been fun. Yeah. I have a beautiful quote about art um, that I wanted to share. And it is a quote from the artist who created the deformed Ronaldo statue mm-hmm. in 2017. Did his very best. And uh, of art, and his art in particular, he mm-hmm. says, Even Jesus did not please everyone. This is a matter of taste. It's not as simple as it seems. Honestly, fair. Mm-hmm. And I think that really addresses why the fuck he made that statue yeah. uh, the way he did. <laughs> and also the fact we've had, you know, differences of opinion throughout yeah. this episode. We have. And where the time that I couldn't talk about so many great artists I love and you put a fucking taxidermy fox in there. You know, I said throw in whatever you want. You did. And I just thought that the people would love me yeah. to do the Fox thing. I literally just cannot wait until the current situation is over because I just want to go to a gallery. And that's the perfect, like, most socially distant activity Yeah. because you don't touch anything. Yep. I mean, you can sit on the seats, but I just won't. No. And there's such huge rooms. You can be so far away from people. 
And art is one of my favorite, like, that's one of my favorite activities, full stop, anyway. I'm yeah. not like, wow, I can't wait to get back on the soccer field. Yeah. Like, that's just not my vibe. So, I mean, I do love soccer, but I'm also quite a museum gal. So, yeah. You know, it's just great. It's just a great freaking like, time. Museum outings. All the great museums we've got here in Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, are there any? There are some. I'm being a whiny little bitch. Fair, but. Okay. People are like, I live near no towns. And I'm like, ugh, Melbourne Point. <laughs> With just the NGV for me to get my cultural fix from. Fung of that. So you may be thinking, mm, you guys, modern art is absolutely fucked. And everything you've named today is just so middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Taxidermy fogs and shark in a box. Guys, where's the kookiness? Well, 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 sweet listener. <laughs> you may have heard us mention throughout this uh, cursed modern art. Where's the cursed modern art? What is Zika's? Next week's episode. Sweep Next week's episode. That's right. We have got some really fucking cursed arts. Yeah. This is where I did most of my research. I will not lie. Yeah. And I'm so excited. This is where I did so no research. I kind of just looked at some things and was like, nah. And then I put them in my list. Mm-hmm. So tune back in next week for some cursed fucking modern arts. You will not regret it. Well. We're both so exhausted now. And we will see you next week. Mama. Bonjour. Bonsoir.